Welcome to High Heels in Politics, the podcast where we talk with the leaders of Ohio and beyond. And now, your host, Marianne Christie. Hi, good afternoon. This is actually Lindsay Cole sitting in for Marianne Christie. We are at the Loveland Starbucks on Loveland Madeira Road. And I'm sitting here with our featured guest, Miss Rachel Baker. She is running in the 27th District lives in Anderson. And interestingly enough, Rachel was running in her primary at the same time that I was running in my primary for the Hamilton County area. So I'm really excited to have you here today, Rachel. It's interesting when I was running in my primary, obviously I would see your signs, but we were in very different worlds. I was running as a Republican in my race. Obviously you were running on the Democratic ticket and you won on your side. And I unfortunately did not. Even with that being said, I think it's so important to be able to sit down as two moms and two people who live in the same district to just get to know you a little bit about better, hear what your call to action is, what kind of legislator you want to be in Columbus, and see how you want to represent the people in the 27th district. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and not just as a mom and as a District 27 community member, but also as someone who is willing to step up and serve. We've got that in common. So it's great to meet you. Well, and as a single parent, speaking to another single parent, you have three kids. I have two. I know that just getting the Starbucks on a Saturday afternoon was probably a lot of juggling. And so I appreciate your time and being here. And I'm really excited for the audience to get to know you a little bit better as am I. Let's start from the beginning. So tell me a little bit about you, what you do, and a little bit about your story. Sure. So I am, like you said, I'm a single mom of three. And so that's what I do a lot when I'm not at work, kids sports and activities and running around, as I'm sure you know. For work, I have worked for about 17 years as a pediatric nurse. And about five years ago, moved into a more administration kind of role. And I oversee a nursing research program throughout a healthcare system in town. And then my kind of biggest volunteer activity is I serve as a court-appointed special advocate or CASA with ProKids. And that role, some people don't know about that role, it's the court systems, you know, the courts have lawyers for the parents and lawyers, all sorts of lawyers. But often yes, the, I'm familiar with yeah. lots of lawyers too. <laughs> but often the kids don't really have a lawyer or someone speaking for them. And so the court appointed special advocate is someone that's appointed by the courts to build a relationship with kids. So I have two that I've been seeing weekly. You visit them at school, you visit them at home and really build a real relationship with them and then go into court and advocate for them when they can't be there. So that's kind of my biggest volunteer activity. All of those roles really are serving the community, especially serving families and kids. And I, I saw this run as, as the next step in that in that role for me. Would you consider that like a guardian at litem, appointed, sort of court appointed representative? representative for kids. It's similar to that. So pro kids have like hired staff that serve as the guardian ad litem, but they'll have a ton of kids. So then they have volunteer CASAs that are one-on-one assigned to each family. Yeah. So it's in that system. That's interesting. Well, sort of part of my background and one of the reasons why I wanted to sit down with you. So, you know, my call to action in getting involved and doing more and serving my community as well was part of my background, obviously going through a really tumultuous four and a half year long divorce process. Now it's going on five and a half years. I know how important it is to have representation for my kids. And as although, although I feel like I'm the best advocate for them, I feel like sometimes 
they need their own voices and it's really difficult to have that. So first of all, I appreciate you doing that. And secondly, I think it's something that as you move forward in this process and after the November 8 election, one of the reasons why I wanted to sit down with you is because as a representative of the 27th district in Columbus, it's something that's passionate for me as well. And I would love to work with you on how we can better the system for, for our kids. It's a broken system and obviously we all have to work together. So that, that was my call to action for even sitting down with you today is can I have that commitment to work with you? Cause I want to pass that torch on. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I would love to, to talk more about it and learn more about it. And that's kind of been the funnest thing. I'm really a lifelong learner. And one of the funnest things for me during this campaign has just been talking with so many people who are so passionate about specific issues, you know, and there's just so much out there, so much to fix, so much to learn about and advocate for. And I would love to learn more and work with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. Let's see. So you live in Anderson. You have three kids. What are your ages? What are their grades? I have a 16, 13, and 10-year-old. Okay, you're in the thick of it with sports and all of those things. Tell me a little bit about, you ran for school board first before you decided to run for state legislature. Yeah, so I really never saw myself doing anything political until last year when really there was just looking at the state house and, and we've talked about some of the extremism and just things that aren't like aligning with my values. I saw from our state house and from talking in our school board and things I saw coming up and in our community that were coming up in our school district. And I was talking with friends out of state that were like, why don't you just move? Why don't you move to where, you know, I don't have any family in Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati. I've been here 21 years and, and I have great friends and and I thought, why don't I just move? You know, right. if, I'm, if things don't feel like they're meshing with my values, why don't I move? And I, I really self-reflected on that. And I started realizing that these bills I see coming out of the legislature and these ideas I see being talked about in our school are not reflective of the people I know, like my neighbors and my right. community members and my friends and pretty much everyone I meet mm-hmm. <laughs> in Anderson and on the east side of Cincinnati. It's just not... The people I know, the people I know are are honest and right. ethical and love their community and love their kids and love their family. And so I thought one thing I could do is move. Another thing I could do is be kind of a mama bear and a nurse who runs to, towards the fire. That's what we do. Yes. And change things and change our government to reflect our values and to actually serve us and, and make things better. My first thought was to do that at the real local level at the Forest Hill School Board. And I ran for a school board seat. We had 10 candidates for four seats, so it just was a really difficult, difficult election. The four people that won ran together as a slate, and then the other votes were divided between six people, so it was just difficult to win. I was first place out of those six, so I yeah. called myself the first okay. place loser. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> I remember that race well. There were a lot of people outside of Anderson and Forest Hills that were watching that race, yeah. um, brought a lot of attention for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, that was an interesting sort of race to watch from it a was. school board perspective. It was. Seeing really, I mean, that was the first really local race that I saw get that kind of heated. So after that, I took a little time deciding what to do. And kind of at first, I was like, okay, well, I gave it a good try. And then I realized that really the things I'm upset about are still exist. And yes. they don't just exist in Forest Hills. They exist throughout Ohio. And at that same time, I started talking to people about this seat in the 27th district was going to be an open seat since Tom Frank men had term limited out and it just seemed like that was a logical next step where I could have some impact on um, public school funding on 
school legislation, but then also on other issues that I've been learning about through this that I realized in all these issues, it's important to have real community member voices loud and strong there. So I have to ask you because, you know, you mentioned Tom Brinkman. He's a Republican from my side of the aisle, just speaking in relative terms. It was a kind of a no brainer from a for a Republican to run in the seat because Typically, the 27th district was a very Republican district. However, after five different maps and the redistricting that took forever, which is why we had a special primary in August, August. which worked for no one and no one's benefit, but different story for a different day. It's interesting. cost us a ton of money. And cost us a ton of money. That is, (laughs) yes, another part of it. It's interesting that as a Democrat on a Democratic primary that you decided to run in a sort of, at that point, it was a Republican district. However, it didn't end up being a Republican district. That third map actually gives about, what, a plus four to the Democratic Party when it comes to the redistricting now? I think around there. Really interesting to see that the turnout on August 2nd was extraordinary for the Democratic Party. In fact, you had way more voters than we did, but it really proved how you empowered people to go and vote for you. And in fact, it was interesting. I had someone at a lot of different poll locations, one of them mentioned to me that there were women who had just voted for the first time that were coming to vote specifically for you. So kudos to you for doing that. That's phenomenal. There are some things going on right now at the state legislative level, which, as you know, Roe v. Wade, that's a hot topic right now. That motivated a lot of women who may be fiscally conservative, but more socially, I don't want to say liberal, but more socially concerned with how things are going at the state level. So that's something as you progress in this and later on when you get to Columbus, something that you can certainly keep in mind that you now have more Republican women or Republican voters who did vote for you because of that one issue. So that's a lot of pressure and a lot of really, that's, that's great. You're empowering a lot of women to get out and vote and be more vocal. Have to ask you something. Your race is very different. I had two people, two other people in my race. So there was a three-way race. You only had another person. So it was a female and a male. And I have to understand what was going on on your side of the aisle to maybe get a better perspective for everyone in the audience as well. Yeah. I think that as how you describe my race is exactly my plan and it's what happened. So I ran against more, definitely more well-known Democrat on our side who had run for mayor before. He was better funded than I was and definitely had name recognition that I didn't. But what I felt was that, that this is no longer a political race. Like Mm -hmm. so many people reached out to me who we're so upset about what was happening from our local school district in Forest Hills to Roe v. Wade to other things happening nationally and just all of a sudden said, I need to get involved. I mean, right. I my meet and greets would involve like, what is the state house? How do I vote in a primary election? I mean, these were people who yes. didn't vote that were like, wait, what's happening? So we decided to really focus on that group of people Okay, in our campaign. We had more Democrats vote in an off-season, August 2nd, it was we unbelievable. the only race contested on our ballot. We had more Democrats vote in the 27th district than in the May primary for governor yes. and Congress. I mean, we energized a base of people that had, haven't really been involved yeah. politically at all, even to the point of voting. And so that's kind of the kind of campaign I'm trying to run is to educate people and to energize them 
and engage them again in the process. So one thing you asked was about like, what is my issue or my call to action? And it's interesting to chat with you because I think we have some similarities and I have some personal, I, you know, personal interests, but I think my biggest interest in voting, or I'm sorry, my biggest interest in running is to actually bring government back to what it's supposed to be and to actually represent citizens in the 27th district and engage people again. Like, I don't want to see a 21% turnout. 21% of the people are making the rules that are impacting 100% of us and our kids, you know? And, yes. and if everyone engaged, I feel like we would have a much more balanced middle of the road people making rules and legislation and funding decisions that'll help us all. So it's interesting because right before we got onto this podcast, you know, we had never met before. I've seen your name in my own neighborhood. You've had meet and greets in my own neighborhood. And even my kids know you by name. And we sat down and I just said, I'm a mom. Obviously, you're a mom. And we just wanted to sit down as two human beings and talk. And you said to me, most of the issues are nonpartisan issues. We're all just trying to do the best for our kids. And that resonates because you're right. You are going to be representing lots of different people with different values, but most of them are nonpartisan. And I want people to understand that because that really disenfranchises people when it becomes a more of a democratic issue versus a Republican issue. If you have kids, it doesn't matter. They're all the issues. And our kids have gone through a really tumultuous last couple of years with mental health and with a lot of things thrown at them through the pandemic. And as parents, we're all really struggling to try to do what's best for them and make decisions that are best for them. And you're right. Starting with the school board is part of it. I do want to talk a little bit about just more of your race, because the day of when I was going to each polling location, it was really interesting to see how different groups were wearing different shirts, representing those groups, but passing out your literature. And also, it was interesting that there was, from the 28th district, Jessica Miranda's group was there for you, helping and supporting you. That was not my experience in my race. I did not get any help from outsiders when it comes to, on my side of the aisle, it's sort of a strict rule of thumb that if it's a primary, we don't get involved. You're on your own. I think that's unfortunate, especially for people like you and me who are trying to do what's best for our kids, be representatives of our community and have, there's no donations, no money. You said you were much more outfunded and out fundraising was not your thing. Not mine either. Single parents trying to go out, doing the best that you can, juggling school, juggling life. And then you're trying to run a campaign on the side. How did you get all of these different groups to go for you and help you? And how did you motivate or empower them? That was something, you know, I reached out to people that I knew and respected that had served in this role just as a person. And so our party was the same way. They were going to stay out of the primary, but personal individual people would get involved. And so really talking with people about my vision of what a representative can be and how a representative can work across, across aisles. As a nurse, I work with physicians, pharmacists, really mad patients, really mad family member, you know, lots of people. And kind of my personal talent is to bring us all back to a common goal to make the emotions go down for a second and everyone remember why we're all here and be able to work together in the same direction. That's what I do as a CASA too. You know, there's lots of emotion. Absolutely. And if we can all bring the emotion down and remember, like, we all want what's best for these kids or wherever our, our common ground is and and being able to talk to people like that and say 
I know that there's this whole system of how we do things, but I want to just represent every person in District 27. I want to listen to everyone. And and I might personally disagree with things, but I'm not here to personally push my agenda at the state house. I'm here to represent District 27, not to be bring the Democratic agenda or bring the yes. Republican agenda. I'm here to talk to everybody in District 27 and then to go make the best decision. And no one's going to agree with me 100% of the times, but I would hope everyone knew that I will listen to all sides. I will take all data and I will make the decision that truly I think will benefit people the best. Sometimes I know it'll be, it's just like parenting. You know, I listen to everybody and sometimes you don't like what I decided, but I will take all these opinions in and I will try to make the best decision for District 27. Before the primary, I would definitely say it was hard because there were people who wanted to kind of stay out. There were some people that what I talked about resonated with them personally and they were Mm -hmm. willing to help. After the primary, I've had a lot more help. And what I've been interested in after the primary is I've had a handful of Republicans reach out and say, can we talk? I'm thinking about voting outside my party in this race, and I want to chat about your race. And I had one, and he gave me his whole background of lots of involvement in the Republican Party. And so we chatted for like a while about his experience, and we come from very different ideas about things, right? But like we were saying, at the core, the issues were the same that we both had. And we might come at how to solve it differently, but we were both looking at the same problems and the same things we wanted to fix. And when you have different perspectives come together, you probably are going to come out with a better solution. When you're you're willing to to admit your initial thoughts of how to fix something, but then actually be self-reflective and listen to another point of view and be able to put them together to come up with the best solution. And so we chatted and he, and he was really chatting to decide if he, he wanted to personally talk and decide if he was going to vote for a Democrat or not. And by the end of the conversation, he offered to have a party of some of his other Republican Oh, wow. Friends. Okay. Wow. So, and that's he great. Said, you know, he said, this is what I was looking for. Like, I'm not a crazy way out there, crazy ideas. Like I really just want to go to the state house and bring reason. Yes. As a nurse researcher, I look at data all day and evidence and I make decisions that are fact-based and data-based and I evaluate decisions and see if they worked or not and make adjustments. And I want to bring that kind of mindset to the state house. I want to see data on our different options. Right. I want to hear from the community about what they value and prioritize. And I want to stand up there and advocate for them and for our kids. Well, I appreciate that. And it's interesting that you say that because divisive, that's the word that keeps just as we continue to talk, the divisiveness that I've seen on so many different levels, but at the local level, especially, we all have to live in these parallel communities. It's interesting because I did see your signs in my yard and, you know, I'll be the first to admit it hurt a little. It did because I thought this is part of my community, but I actually had a neighbor pick up the phone and call me and say, I just want you to know I'm having a Rachel Baker thing at my house, a meet and greet, and this is not personal. It This is about my belief systems. And first of all, I didn't really even know how to respond because I appreciated it so much that they thought enough of me to pick up the phone and call me and let me and tell yes. me that. But even with that being said, it was interesting because as a community member and living in a, such a small village, I told her at the end of the day, I said... You're right. Politics is politics. But at the end of the day, we're still neighbors. Yes. And we've forgotten that on so many levels. And people have forgotten that maybe 2020 was the turning point for a lot of people. But we have been wearing our politics and our ideologies on our sleeve. When I saw 
what was happening, it was a good reflection standpoint for me, even though I lost. It, it is what it is. But just seeing you here today and having you sit down with me, the rhetoric that has happened and been happening and things that have been saying on both sides, it's got to end. And it's going to start with people like me and you, moms. And I did an interview just two weeks ago with a lady called, her name is Jacqueline Toberoff. She ran in the Manhattan district and she's writing a book. She actually spoke with the Moms for Liberty and, you know, it's a Republican group, but they said it's not going to be a Republican or a Democrat that saves this country. It's going to be the moms and we've got to figure it out and we will figure it out because people like you and I, we troubleshoot all day long. I tell people I can negotiate with a terrorist, literally, because my children are so strong-willed and so smart, and I feel like sometimes they have it way more figured out than I do. But at the end of the day, when people say, well, it's just politics, I just can't I can't stress enough to you. Going most likely be the representative in the 27th district, just based off of fear, sheer numbers. You're my represent. You will be my representative, and it's so refreshing to hear me say, or to hear you say, want to take all the facts into consideration, and you're not pushing some agenda because that's not what we need. We need somebody who can stand up and say, "I'm going to take all sides and all accountability, and look and see what's best for in this certain scenario." And I can appreciate that. It's super refreshing to hear somebody say that. You're right, and I think I just don't think that that's the way representatives have been. Have been, or really, a lot of elected officials have been serving lately, and I think that what it's like a chicken egg thing. That what's happened is people have disengaged because they're like, I don't care about my representative. I don't even know who they are or what they do, and so they don't yeah. vote. And then the people who get elected, you know, and it's a cycle. And if instead, and this is what I really want to do with this campaign, and what I tried to do in the primary is, if we can invigorate the community, not Democrats, not Republicans, but District 27, the community of people, and say, let's take our government back. Let's take a representative who's going to go there and say, no, District 27 doesn't want that. I mean, whether that works or not at the state house, but we can do it. We can. We've got to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere. And if we engage enough people, we can take back the government and and take out some of – I don't really know anyone who agrees with the extremism that's coming out in legislation or all the corruption that we're all paying for. And if we can just bring things back to kind of, like you said, it's just so divisive. Even within our communities, things are divisive and it's exhausting. I think most people just want the government and the local school boards and the state government to work. Just yes. to work and help us work efficiently. Yes, yes. I mean, and it's then interesting. We can ignore it. Well, it's interesting too because we talk a lot about what happens on the federal level. What happens on a local level? The most important election is the one that's happening in your backyard. Absolutely. Those are the ones that affect your day to day. I mean, there are a lot of things that happen in Ohio that when we wake up, we go to put the gas in our car, when we're driving our kids to school, when we're dropping them off, you know, all of those issues are happening on a local level, exactly. on a state level. And it's it's important for Ohioans, moms, to stop sleeping at the wheel and yes. get up and go vote. And like you were saying, you know, invigorate the base. Well, the base, those are the people. It's the suburban moms, the ones who we've become disenfranchised because because we're busy. Yes. We got a lot going on. And I think in the Midwest, there's this thought that we, you know, that you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion, we're polite. 
But you know what? Like, as we sit back in our plate, politics are making decisions about all our lives and the yes. future for our kids. And I think moms are done. I mean, that's what yeah. I've seen. And in our primary, you know, on paper, my opponent should have won. He spent way more money. But what that paper and what those calculations don't incorporate is a, is a true community movement and is a waking up of a whole group of District 27 that's done. Yes, <laughs> And they I are. feel like I'm ready to pull that over into the general and... I really focused on Democrats because those are the people who are going to vote for me on the primary. But now I want to focus on independents, on Republicans who also are ready to look at this differently and to look across aisles and, and see if we can come together and really engage and vote for our values. Look, you know, it's no longer are you going to vote Democrat or Republican? It's there are two people like, do you want this person or this person yes. to be your state representative? And, and that's and those people, people who are voting need to do their homework. Exactly. Because just because you have your R by the name by your name or a D by your name, it doesn't necessarily designate what your values are anymore. And I can certainly say that from experience, just going through my own primary and that process, it really opened my own eyes to say, oh, wow. I really need to look, to look and see what these people are. And you're right. There is black and white, and it is going to be one person versus the other person, but you got to figure out where your values align. Exactly. And and research those two people and not just blindly vote on either side straight down a slate, but look at who the options are and, and look at those two people and decide who aligns with you. And in our state house right now, we have a supermajority Republican, which doesn't allow even the governor to veto things. He can be overridden and really take some of the checks and balances out. And so there, there is a reason, I think, even for people who align with the Republican ideas to have a few seats switch over to a Democrat because we take that supermajority out and no longer can the governor be overridden. It adds checks and balances back. In general, when you have a supermajority, extremism and corruption come out because there's nobody who can veto anything or rein anything in. Power begets power begets power and money. And And, it's all about that. I saw that even on a local level. So much money. Yes. And I've been talking with Republicans who say, I align with this, but I need someone to temper the extremism. And how you do that is elect five more Democrat seats. And then we're out of a supermajority. Republicans still have a majority. So anything that's passed is going to be approved by Republicans. It's not like all of a sudden we're going to go super left, but we're going to have some checks and balances where things have to have some bipartisan. And it takes that wind out and allows, I think, Ohio to move more in a moderate direction and and not kind of go way off in extreme land. (laughs) Yeah, I understand that. Well, Rachel, everything that you've said here today, I just, I'm just, I feel honored, honestly, to just be able to sit down and get to know you better. And if there's some way that people can go and reach you and figure out more about Rachel Baker, how do we find you and how can we do our own research about you and where your values are? Absolutely. So my website is voterachelbaker.com and I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find me all on social media. I'm so happy you guys invited me to this and I think it's so important to see people for who they are and to remember the humanity in all of us and we can disagree on on how to address issues but but still respect the humanity and an honor for me to be here and be able to share my views with you and connect with you. And I would love to offline talk some more about yes. your issues and yes. and ideas about moving forward at the state house. But I really appreciate you guys for inviting me today. This is great. Well, we loved having you. And once again, this is Rachel Baker, Lindsay Cole on High Heels and Politics. Thank you, listeners.
Early voting starts October 12th. Election day is November 8th. Your call to action as an audience is to grab five of your friends and make sure that they're voting on November 8th. And that's my challenge as a host here today. Thank you, Mary and Christy, for allowing me on today. And thank you, Rachel Baker, again. And, and best of luck to luck with you and best wishes. And I look forward to working with you in the legislation, at, even if I'm passing the torch along. So take care and um, talk to you all soon. High Heels and Politics is produced by Marianne Christie and Ryan Kulik. Engineered by Ryan Kulik. Music by Sherrod Sate. Subscribe to High Heels and Politics on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all of your podcast networks.